Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. I do feel him. He's working. Amen. I thank God for the privilege of being able to feel his presence. Amen. Not everybody are privileged enough to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. And so when you feel the presence of the Lord, you ought to thank him for that. Because we're not always experiencing his touch or sensing his presence. We know he's present because he's omnipotent and omnipresent. And so we always know he's present, but we're not always feeling his presence. And so when you feel his presence, you ought to be thankful for that. Lord, I feel your presence. I'm thankful. Amen. Thank you. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Another Thursday night Bible study. We have been studying the book of Acts, and we are going to delve into it a little bit more tonight, for we want God to speak to us and help us. And I believe there's, a, there's about three main points that I will make tonight as we go through the scriptures in the, here in the book of Acts, and I believe it's three essential points that we need to pay attention to. I'm sure there will be some other things that some of you will grab a, grab a hold of, but I believe there's three strong points that we need to make sure get into our heart and our mind and uh, we begin to do this. Amen. Well, if you will stand with me, we're going to talk to the Lord for a moment Amen. and seek him for his will to be done. Amen. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Just told Brother Matthew that it was good to see him. I said, I, I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time, Matthew. He said, I know. I feel like I haven't been here in a while. That's a good thing when you feel like you haven't been here in a while and you're here. Because, again, you can just hear some people, Brother Matthew, they haven't been here in a while and they don't feel nothing. It's just, if I get there, I get there. Yeah, so it's a good thing when uh, somebody... Tap Brother Kellerman on the back. Amen. Yeah, give him some water, something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Was his temperature good, Sister Sylvia? Temperature good? <laughs> oh, temperature's good, so we're not going to worry too much. All right. Some, sometimes it's like that. I'm serious. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes all you need is just some hot water, room temperature water, some tea. Uh, those um, cough drops sometimes mess with you. I mean, let me take a drink of my water because. Uh, no. <laughs> they told me to drink room temperature water, Brother Henry. So we might have to switch to room temperature water. They told me it's better for my for my throat and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You all, everybody, everybody do what's good for them. Who, every, show me your hand if you if you do everything that's good for you. All right, no hands. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
ready to get on my case. Like they do good, everything that's right for them. Amen. Give me a break on some things. <clears throat> Clear my throat. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Well, how about we go before the Lord and pray and ask the Lord to touch us. You know, physically touch us. Spiritually touch us. Have his way in this place. Amen. For those who are joining us via our live stream, we welcome you as well. Amen. Not being here, sometimes you miss out on the jokes, but we'll see. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're thankful. We're thankful to be gathered together one more time. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful that we are a part of the kingdom. We're so grateful, Lord God, that we are in the church of the living God, that we're preparing, Lord God, for the marriage supper, preparing ourselves, Lord God, to become your bride. We're so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you count us as worthy as you do, Lord God. For Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you have kept your hand upon us throughout this day. You have allowed us, Lord Jesus, to be in your presence in your house one more time. And oh God, we humble ourselves before you. Uh, we surrender to you, Lord Jesus, asking, Lord God, that you will move, oh God, upon us in a special way. That, Lord, you will speak to us in a way that we will hear clearly and receive the word of the Lord with gladness. Oh, God, tonight I pray that the spirit of the Lord will have preeminence in this house, Lord God. And that you will move upon us in only the way that you can, Lord God. That all of us will be profitable from our study tonight. All of us will be profitable from the presence of the Lord moving upon us. All of us, Lord God, will leave this place, Lord God, edified. And, oh God, with a determination to say, yes, Lord, we will do your will. We will do as the word of God has instructed us. I pray tonight, Lord, that you will move upon us. Help us, almighty God. Place me in the flow of your spirit, Lord, to minister to the people of God and also to myself, Lord. We want the Holy Ghost to take control. We want the Holy Ghost to have preeminence. And, oh, God, we open our heart tonight that you may impart to us what you will. Oh, Father, we don't want this night to go by without something supernatural and something divine to take place in our spirit, in our soul, and in this house, Lord God. Let something supernatural take place, Almighty God. Let the Holy Ghost have precedence in this place tonight, Lord. Oh God, have your way. Have your way. If it's deliverance, let it be, Lord God. If it's restoration, let it be, oh God. If it's a word, let it be, Almighty God. But let the power of God work and move in this house, oh God. Have your way, sweet Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Anybody love the Lord tonight? Let him know how much you love him. How much you appreciate him. How much 
Don't you lift his name on high and let him know that you love him. Adore him for he is so good to us. Jesus, precious Jesus. Yes, there am I, yes, and Alama, yes, here. Ilama Yokorando Lobosi, ete Aralamasaya. Ilama Kororoboshiki Aramaha. Have your way, Lord. Stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost inside of us tonight. Will you stir inside of us tonight? Will you quicken us by your spirit tonight? Will you move in us, Lord God, by your spirit tonight? Will you illuminate our minds by your spirit tonight, Lord God? Will you give us a word tonight, Lord God? Rhema, Lord God. Oh, in the name of Jesus, let there be a work of the spirit that will take place in our life tonight lord in the name of jesus oh god i thank you for your presence i thank you for your presence almighty god i thank you for your presence almighty god great is the lord and greatly to be praised great is the lord and greatly to be praised I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness, your mercy. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Bless your people tonight, oh God. Ah, my Yarabo, Jesus, have your way. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, there is none like you. You're sweeter than the honey of the honeycomb. Let him have his way in your heart tonight, church. Let him do what he's wanting to do tonight in you. Just yield to the Spirit of God and say, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, have your way in this place tonight. Lord, have your way, have your way, have your way. For there is none like you. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody feel his presence working in your heart? His presence is just working in your heart. The Spirit of the Lord is just moving upon us tonight. Let him have his way. Let him have his way. Let him have his way. Oh, great. Oh, great God, have your way. We have tasted and seen that the Lord, he is good. There is none like Jesus. Oh, God, you're the glorious one. Oh, God, you're sweeter than the honey of the honeycomb. Who can compare to thee, Lord? For there is none like you. You're the only true and living God. And we worship and adore you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, have your way. Oh, 
Oh, my God, my God, my God. Have your way, sweet Jesus. Have your way, oh, great God. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to pick back up where we left off last week. Again, we are we are doing our series and studying the book of Acts. And um, I believe it's a good time it's important to go through the book of Acts um, as I mentioned from the outset when I talked about studying the book of Acts I mentioned that if you want to know anything about the church um, anything that you want to know you always want to go back to the foundation of that thing when you go to the origination the foundation of anything you will get to understand that thing a whole lot better you will get to know that thing a whole lot better you will understand where it is why it's where it is and there's so much that you will understand about it when you can go to the foundation of the existence or the inception of anything and so going to the book of acts we're looking into the foundation the the establishing of the church we're we're looking at the inception of the church and as I mentioned before, it is so important that we read through the book of Acts time and time again because we are the church. And every once in a while, you have to examine yourself to say, according to God's intention for the church, are we on track? According to God's purpose for the church, are we doing what we're supposed to do? Uh, because we can live our lives and as I see many times, um, we do what we feel like we need to do, and um, the original intent for why we should do things is not really what it is anymore. Um, if we just look through our life, uh, look in our world and see that uh, there's a lot of things that we do now that it, it strays so far away from the intention of why we were supposed to be doing it that you can't even tell anymore why, why did it get started. And so we don't want that to ever happen to us as Christians when we're talking about the church. We have to understand God's intention, God's purpose, how the church should function. That is very essential, and we need to know that, study that, and we need to live it because we don't want that day to come and God is going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. We were doing our own thing. I mentioned the other night um, trying to think now. Probably it was the leadership call. Probably not the um, not the Zoom family meeting call. I mentioned, um, and I said I would continue to mention it. Um, not that many of you here have that um, challenge, or I see any of that coming from most of you that are here, or all of you that are here. Um, but people have kind of. I don't know if if it's deliberate or it's not deliberate, might be both. But a lot of people have not, they are not allowing themselves to be pastored. They're just attending church because it's right. 
Uh, they pray because it's right. Uh, they read their Bible when they can because it's right. And um, they know they need to get to heaven. So there are certain things you got to do if you're going to get to heaven. But you're not allowing yourself to be pastored. And what that means is uh, you make a lot of decision according to how you feel and what you think and um, how you feel like you should go about doing certain things. And when you start to live your life like that, uh, then why would God even put spiritual guidance in your life? That's what your pastor is supposed to help you with is in spiritual guidance. And if you need spiritual guidance, and we all do, and you don't consult with your pastor, then you could you can probably consider yourself falling in that category of not allowing yourself to be pastored because you're not seeking the spiritual guidance. Also, um, part of um, you failing to allowing yourself to be pastored is you're not eating the spiritual food that is fed to you. So when the spiritual food is fed to you, you know, you might listen to it and says, okay, that's good. You might even take notes and say, okay, let me put this down. But if you're not doing what the word of God is saying, then you're not allowing yourself to be pastored. Because you're being fed and you refuse to eat what you're being fed. Part of the job of the pastor, the responsibility of the pastor is to feed the flock. And so when the flock is being fed and the flock is not eating, then you're refusing to be pastored. You're refusing to be shepherd. When the pastor is leading and says, this is what we need to do, and you decide, mm, I can't do that, you're not allowing yourself to be pastored because you're doing your own thing. And if you study anything about shepherding, if you are a sheep and you decide you don't want to do what everyone else is do, everyone else is doing, you set yourself up to be devoured by the foxes and the lions and the bears, whatever it is, because um, study has shown that um, the foxes and the lions and all of them, they don't uh, attack a pack of sheep or that they, they wait till you separate yourself. And when you separate yourself, that's when you get attacked. You know, there's a reason why people end up um, um, backsliding and leaving the church when they become um, disenchanted or they're not in agreement with what they're hearing because what they start doing is separating themselves without even realizing or maybe realizing it, but they don't participate as much. Well, when you don't participate as much or even when you participate, but you're just there in person and not in, in, in spirit and, and with the right attitude, what happens is you're separating yourself and sooner or later, the devil will see that and send the lion and send the bear and send the wolf to devour you because it means you're not with the body. You are separate from the body and you leave yourself open for attack. And sometimes you just think, hey, I'm good because you show up and you don't realize, no, you were just showing up. You weren't being shepherd because you didn't allow yourself to be shepherd. Another thing that the shepherd does is the shepherd, um, when you start to wonder, the shepherd will come and talk to you and try to, you know, bring you back in. But if you decide that you want to keep wondering, there's nothing the shepherd can do. So you're not allowing yourself to be shepherd if, if the shepherd comes to you and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I see this is going on, but you need to get back over here. So 
I will continue to say that for a little bit because I believe that it's something important. I'm only saying it to you because I care about you and I love you. When God set his shepherd over the flock, he makes sure that shepherd has a heart. I am not a hireling. I'm not a hireling. I am a shepherd from God, is under shepherd. And when you get a man of God that God has set over you, God gives him a heart for you. I always say that. He's your biggest supporter. And so when that happens, you know, um, I'll just give you a quick example. You know, if, 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 if a couple comes in, I don't know what office I'm going to say, but when I get an office, <laughs> if a couple comes into the office and I'm talking to them and there is disagreement and, and, and they're not on the same page, usually when you're upset with someone, um, you just want to win the argument. You want to win the fight. When you're upset with someone, you just want to prove your point. When you're upset with someone, I don't even want to talk to you. When you come in the pastor's office, you know what the pastor's thinking? I need to help them get this back together. And you're holding. Each person is holding to their view. I got to let pastor know because he ain't treating me right. And the other one, I got to let pastor know she ain't right. And both are sitting there. It's a standoff. It's a cold war trying to prove their point. And poor old pastor. If he's a right pastor, not a hireling, all he's thinking, how in the world can I get these two people back in agreement, loving one another and doing the right thing? We're not thinking about trying to prove who's right or who's wrong. That's not our job. We're not trying to do that. Now, in the interim of just explaining what the scripture says, it might show that this one may be right and that one might not be right. But that's in the interim of showing the word of God so everyone can understand what is right from what is wrong. So in the interim, you might pick up on who could be right or who could be wrong. But that's not what the pastor is there for. So if you ever this is why some and people know it, because sometimes, Brother Sharp, they don't come talk to the pastor because they want the situation to be just the way it is. And they know if they go and talk to the pastor, he's going to try to help, help help things out, make it better. So they're like, I'm not going to him. And they're not going to him is because they want to keep the standoff going. They want to pay somebody back. They want to let the person know how badly they hurt them or how wrong they are. So they don't want to go to the pastor. They just keep fighting it. Because if they go to the pastor, they're going to have to stop fighting. Because that's what the pastor is going to try to do is to help them get it together, help them get on track, help them do what's right. And that's the thing. And so that's another situation about what I mean. People don't want to be pastors. They're not allowing the pastor to pastor them because they want to do what they want to do. That's not even the lesson tonight. Let God have his way. That had to be from the Holy Ghost. Because I told you, I walked in here feeling the Holy Ghost. So that had to be for the Holy Ghost. That's somebody tonight. All right, we left off last week. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1 is where we left off. And I'll read it again and go from verse 1 through 13. Um, Let's look at the scripture from Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. We'll read through a little bit. And then when we get to verse 13, I'll stop and I'll talk about some things that we will read. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
make a notation of that, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Five, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man is in every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others, mocking, said, these men are full of new wine. So let's pause there and try to unpack all the text that we just read and see what we have gathered from that. First thing I want to say is this, speaking with tongues is always a reoccurring experience throughout the New Testament when one receives the Holy Ghost. I'll say that again. Speaking with tongues is always a reoccurrence, a reoccurring experience throughout the New Testament when one receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. So. If you feel like you have the Holy Ghost and you have not speak with tongues, understand this. You have not demonstrated according to the Bible that you have the Holy Ghost. I'm not telling you you don't have the Holy Ghost. I am just telling you, according to the Bible, you have not demonstrated, proven to yourself that you have received the Holy Ghost. Because everyone that received the Holy Ghost, the reoccurring experience when they receive it was that they spoke with tongues. Well, preacher, how can you say that? That was just in one text right there in Acts chapter 2. Okay, let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse number 45. Acts chapter 10, verse number 45 says, And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard, somebody say heard, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the gift, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So here we go again in Acts chapter 10. When these men received the Holy Ghost, these Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. They spoke with tongues because 
Peter and the folks that was with Peter, they saw and they heard them speak with tongues. So again, another place in the scripture in the church where the church began is demonstrating that when the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost, they spoke with tongues as when the Jews received the Holy Ghost back in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 19, verse number 5. This text says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Another group of people. These were people, you know who these people were? They were actually disciples of John the Baptist. And so they believed in Christ. They practiced the word of God, but they did not have the gift of the Holy Ghost and they weren't baptized in Jesus name. And so because of that, when they heard the word preached to them about baptism and about the Holy Ghost, they wanted that. And they received that. They were baptized and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it was proven by, again, them receiving the Holy Ghost and the reoccurring theme, speak with tongues. Another scripture I can give you is Acts chapter 17, chapter 8, verse number 17. Acts chapter 8, verse number 17. Again, we're talking about everyone in scripture. That we have read about when the church began, when they received the baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the reoccurring experience was that they spoke with tongues. Acts chapter 8, verse number 17, then laid their, then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, this time is a little bit different. Watch it. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So this time they may not have recorded that they heard because the person right here that was they was talking about was this deceiver, this trickster, this, this, this dude named Simon that was be you know, bewitching people, using witchcraft to make people think he was godly. And so this man had, had a lot of people thinking he was godly, but then he couldn't receive the Holy Ghost or he didn't have the power to give people the Holy Ghost. And so when the apostles laid hands on people that were baptized in Jesus' name and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, he saw them speaking with tongues. Here we go again. He saw, if, in order for you to see something when someone is filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, can you imagine? This is what we do sometimes. Uh, someone is praying, they never speak with tongues, and then we say, they receive it. Well, what did you see? If they receive the baptism, what did you see if they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? So what you see when they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost is people speaking with tongues. So that's the reoccurring experience. Anyone who wants to feel satisfied, and know and be content that they truly have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
They need to make sure they spoke with tongues just like the Bible teaches. So just saying that you have it, I am not telling you you don't have it. You will not hear me say, well, you didn't speak with tongues, so you don't have it. I'm leaving that alone. But what I am telling you is, if you have it, you need to prove it just like the Bible. I can't go around teaching that the Bible teaches this, and then I say, but I have the Holy Ghost, but not like the Bible. Right? If the Bible is the authority, the authoritative word in our life, and we lean on it for every single thing, then we can't get to the place of saying, I have the Holy Ghost, I just haven't spoken tongues. Well, you're not following the Bible. So even if you feel like you have the Holy Ghost, but you haven't spoken tongues, I would recommend that you pray until you speak with tongues so you can hear it for yourself. Because it's not God that you're trying to prove it to. You're trying to know it for yourself. That's what you're trying to do. So that's clear in scripture. That if you have the Holy Spirit, you must speak with tongues like the Bible teaches. So the first time ever when man received the infilling of the Holy Ghost, they spoke with tongues. And we read it there in all those texts in Acts chapter 2, in, in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 8. We read it. With, those are times when people initially received the Holy Ghost and they spoke with tongues. And we must understand that's the Bible. So to be sure, you and I has the infilling or have the infilling of the Holy Ghost, we must speak with tongues like those who receive the Holy Ghost in the Bible. And so, from Acts chapter 2 through Acts chapter 13, it was just talking about the outpouring of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. Spoke with tongues and, and, and they magnified God because the spirit of God dwelled now in man. Now that people have received, seen, and heard the Holy Ghost, they began to state their opinions about what they heard, what they saw, what they received. Well, the ones that were receiving, they probably were still talking in tongues and they, they couldn't say anything. But that's what was happening toward the... The, the scripture, the verse in Acts chapter 13, where they started, you know, having what they wanted to say about it. So some said in Acts chapter two, verse number 13, our, our 12 and 13, it says some of them said the wonderful works of God. So some saw the gift of the Holy Spirit pouring out and indwelling folks, and they saw that and realized it was the wonderful work of God. However, others started mocking and saying, those people seem like they're drunk. People will always have an opinion about the word of God or what God is doing. And a lot of times, those that are not godly are going to have the things that are not godly that they say. If you haven't had any experience with God or even if you're just trying to resist God, you're always going to talk about the negative things that you think about the word of God. And so while some said the wonderful work of God, while some was doubting, some of them were doubting and some were mocking. 
So you got doubters, mockers, but others that believe. Don't get all worked up as you're living for God, worrying about whether people believe what you're saying and how you're living or not. That's not important. As long as you live for God, people will doubt it. People will mock you, but some will believe. As long as you live for God, some will mock you, some will doubt you, but some will believe. And because of you, some will decide, I am going to live for God. Focus on those. Don't focus on the doubters. Don't focus on the mockers, because if they don't get right, they're going to experience something terrible at the end. So as they began to mock and to doubt our man Peter, the dude that denied Christ three times, the dude that cut the man ear, the man that cussed, uh -huh, that guy, that guy, that Peter. That's when Peter began to preach the word of God, preaching and teaching the word of God. And so Peter realized Peter, people were mocking, people were doubting. Yes, some were saying the wonderful work of God, but that made Peter begin to preach the word of God because of people's response to what God was doing. We got to get to that place as a church and understand we need to preach the word of God because of people's understanding or perception or what they're saying about the word of God. I pray all the time, God, lead me to people that are ignorant, people that have been deceived, people that are lost, because people need to hear the preaching of the word of God. Too many times we take for granted thinking people know they're just being rebellious or they're just rejecting the word. I believe majority of people are ignorant concerning God's word, and we need to speak God's word, preach God's word, teach God's word, so they're not ignorant about the word of God. Stop thinking people are just being rebellious and being resentful and rejectful of God's word. When we are ignorant, we make ignorant comments. When we're ignorant, those people that were mocking, those people that were doubting, sometimes what happens is when you are ignorant about something, you begin to say little smart stuff. Not because you know what you're saying, but because you don't understand. And some of us don't know how to communicate when we don't understand how to stop and say, I don't understand. Can you help me? A lot of us don't know how to do that. When we don't understand, all we start to do is criticize. When we don't understand, all we start to do is say negative things. When we don't understand, we begin to make smart and lewd comments. Instead of stopping to say, I don't understand. Can you explain that to me? And so Peter began to minister. So let's just take that cue from Peter that we need to start ministering a whole lot more than we do because a lot of people just don't understand. And when we get into the word of God good enough, we don't have to sound like, you know, this, 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 this orator, this great orator, this, this spiritual guru. No, just explain the word of God in your way of explaining it as long as it stays true to what the word is and it will help a lot of people. Preaching and teaching of the word of God 
provides instructions for salvation. It is also profitable for corrections in righteousness. It makes you wise. It will make you complete and make you do good work. It also answers questions that you have. Preaching will do a whole lot for us if we will do it. It will do a whole lot for the people we encounter if we will do it. But we have to do it. And everyone that have experienced the infilling of the Holy Ghost can preach. He says, and you will receive the Holy Ghost to be a witness for me. What is being a witness? When you're a witness, what do you do? Keep your mouth shut? Witnesses cannot go in court and sit, and when your honor asks a question, they don't say anything. You're not a witness. When you are a witness, you begin to speak. You begin to testify about what you see, and you know because you're saying it because I saw that. I'm saying it because I experienced that. It's what we're testifying about that we know, we experience, and we can see. We can't be witnesses with our mouth closed. I do understand that you have that lifestyle that you live and people see some things, but that can't be the only way you witness. You're going to have to open your mouth sometimes and speak because that's what a witness is. And that's why you receive the Holy Ghost, to be a witness. So we don't need credentials from the UPCI to be a preacher. Everyone who received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you are a preacher. Preach, preacher. And so Peter began to preach to them because they needed answers. Peter began to preach to them because they needed salvation. Peter began to preach to them to correct them. Peter began to preach to them to make them wise. Peter began to preach to them so they could be complete and do good work. All of those things are just awesome. Can you imagine when you preach to people, these are the outcome of those who will respond in obedience? My goodness, why aren't we preaching? Matter of fact, sometimes I feel like I need to preach outside the church more than I do need to preach inside the church. I've told you all, I think I preach more, I, I preach the greatest sermons when I'm outside, when I'm walking the streets and I see people with all kinds of situations going on, because they normally listen. Preaching the church and they say, yeah, that was a nice word. And they just keep moving because in their mind, I know what it is. Can we stop knowing the word and start living the word? So many of us know the word, but knowing the word and living according to the word, two total different things. And we have to start living the word. I'm not, I know those of us that are apostolic, we know the word, but where is the evidence that we know it? The evidence is how we live our life. That, that's the evidence that says, I know the word. But saying I know the word and never living it or just barely living it, that's not enough.
Let's look at Peter's sermon that followed after the infilling of the Holy Ghost in response to the questions and opinions those people had about the infilling, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, let's jump into that. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Peter said, listen up. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It was nine o'clock in the morning. See how people are just wrong? Did those people, were they alcoholics? No. But you want to say they were drunk 9 a.m. in the morning. Again, you were probably nervous, scared, because you know it was a powerful move of God, and you didn't know what to do. So you just start talking mess. That's what people do. But anyway, let's move. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days my of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember, always underline that word shall. Because people keep thinking that they can say I'm saved and I'm saved. No, you will get saved when you call on the name of the Lord because he will give you instructions. Just like Cornelius called on the name of the Lord and the Lord sent him Peter to give him instructions on how he's going to be saved. So you call on the Lord and he tells you, this is the big problem for us as people. We call on the Lord. I would just listen to Vesta just for a little bit. And she said something that stirred me a little bit because I'm thinking about it. And I said, oh, Vesta, I don't know about that. You sure you're getting, you sure you're not getting a little senile? You know, Vesta's in 96, right? And Vesta says, the Lord needs us. And when she said it first, I said, oh, Vesta, hold. But then she elaborates. He said it that way. So he don't need you, but he established a plan where we have to work together to make his plan come together. I said, go ahead. All right, you're back on track, Vesta. You're back on track. So, so the bottom line is God don't need us because he existed way before he always existed, right? And so before we came on the scene, he existed and he was sustaining himself. He doesn't need us, but we need him. But he has set a plan in place where we have to work together. We work with him and he work with us. Part of that plan is when we pray, he shows us what we need to do. He gives us instruction, and we follow those instructions. And so that's what it's all about. And so how things are set up, and it moved me. It moved me when I thought about it even some more. I said, this is not good. God set a plan up that he needs us to do what he says, and we're not doing it. The Lord could have came back long before now. We all could have been in heaven probably a good little while already. 
What do you mean by that, preacher? If we all were doing what the Lord wanted us to do as Christians, he would have been able to come back. But he's so merciful. He is so gracious. He is love. And he's looking around saying, there's a lot of people still haven't heard my gospel the way they need to hear it. There's a lot of people that still need to get this gospel so they can be saved. And I can't come because I won't be just if I come back and they have not received it. So the plan of God is that he transmit to us and we carry out the plan. This is why he says, I am the head, you are the body. Go study science, study the body. How do we do things? The head transmit down to the body, and the body carry out the instructions. We are the body, Christ is the head. So in order for us to do anything, the head got to communicate. But if the head is communicating and the body is doing nothing, then people are starving and suffering and in loss because they're not getting the gospel from us. And we sit around and think that, oh, you know, I'm just a Christian. No, you're not just a Christian. You are the body of Christ. You are the agent that God is using to carry out his instruction. Every one of us. This is why it is so important for us to have the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because now we're empowered to go and to do. God needs us to do what we are supposed to do. We can't sit around. We can't just be cruising. We can't just be thinking that we're all good because we're born again. I say it all the time. If that's all God wanted from us, then we would have ascended like Jesus ascended once we received that Holy Ghost. The day we talk in tongues, we would have ascended if that's all that God wanted us to be is saved. That's not all that God wants us to be is saved. He needs us to labor. He needs us to go and do what he needs us to do. As a matter of fact, he got out the way. Once he trained the 12 and he died and he rose, when he rose, couldn't he just hang out a little bit longer? Come on now, let's, let's work this. He could have hung out a little bit longer and kept walking. He said, no, 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 I've done my job. I'm going and sit on my throne and you all now have to continue this thing. So we've got a mandate, a command, no choice. Once we're born again, we have to carry this thing forward. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. See how his message starts? Telling you about Jesus. Because everybody needs to know about Jesus. And that's the only way you're going to be saved if you know about Jesus. Whom God has raised up. Having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou 
shall make me full of joy and with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak. He's getting into his message. Those people probably said, man, I thought he was saying something. Peter's like, no, 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 no. I'm just getting started. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus had God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. He, are, he is preaching because he didn't have a choice. When you have the Holy Ghost, you are Jesus' witness. You are commanded to preach the gospel when you receive the Holy Ghost. If we're not preaching the gospel, we are disobeying God in a strong way. So no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you read your Bible, no matter how much you go to church, if you're not witnessing, God is not pleased. And not just witnessing by showing up in your apostolic wares, showing up and speaking about this Jesus. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he had shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into heaven, but he said himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Another scripture to outline, for David is not ascended into heaven. Remember, I told you nobody's in heaven. If David ain't in heaven, ain't nobody in heaven. David is not in heaven, okay? Because nobody's in heaven. We're all going to heaven at the same time. David is in the presence of the Lord. Everybody that die in Christ in the presence of the Lord. But we're all going to go to heaven together as one. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. He's a good God, man. He keep everything tight. Until I make thy, thy, thy foes thy footstool, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Lord means God. Christ means anointed one, the Messiah. God and man. Jesus, God and man. Jesus is God and man. The Messiah and almighty God all at the same time, not separate. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Church, hear me. We're missing a very vital part of our salvation. When we hear the word of God, we're not asking ourselves and asking the ministers and the pastor what should I do? If, you don't, if what I'm preaching, you don't get a clear understanding of what you need to do next, you should be asking, okay, pastor, I heard what you just preached. Now, what should I do? If I didn't preach clear enough for you to understand what you should do, you should come to me and say, what should I do? This is what I mean by, are you allowing yourself to be pastored or you're just showing up? They asked after Peter preached the word. 
what should I do? Because they're wondering, Peter, why are you telling us all this? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received the word, they gladly received the word. And when they received it, they did something. So here is clear lesson. If you haven't done anything, you haven't received the word. I I tell you, I stay in the book. I don't, I can't teach anything other than the book. I'm not that good to teach you anything other than the book. If you haven't done something with what you have heard preach, you don't believe it. Because when you believe it, you do something about it. Then they that gladly receive his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. The response after the preaching, I believe this is probably the biggest miss on many of our part why we're not living our best life in Christ. Our response. Our response. Our response. Where is our response, church? Where is our response to the word of God? Are we going to let the word just be an intellectual word that come into our mind? Or we're going to let the word of God cause us to do something. Because I don't care about what novel we read. I don't care about what article we read. I don't care what kind of instruction we read about anything else. If we never do those things, so what? But if we read the word of God, if we hear the word of God, and we don't do what the word of God says, we are missing out. And really and truly, our religion is vain. You can't just hear God's word and keep living the way you want. You got to hear God's word and do what it says. That's how your life is transformed. That's how your life becomes changed. Is when you hear it and you do it, not just walk out and say, "Man, we get some good word." Yes, but what are you doing with it? We are not responding to the preaching of the word of God in faith and obedience. So let me show you how you're supposed to be in church services. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. This is how you're supposed to be in church service. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Here is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. When we come to church, the word is preached to all of us the same because we're all in the same place. Some of us did not receive it. Some of us receive it because when we heard it, we allow faith, faith. We, We interpreted the word of God by faith. So what we are doing is we're in the house of God trying to interpret the word of God in the flesh. 
And as long as you're trying to get understanding of God's word according to your intellect, it will not have the same power. It will not have the same power. It will not do the same thing in your life. But if you will come to church and you will sit in the house of God and hear the word of God preach and you will listen and receive it in faith, the Bible says faith without works is dead. There is no possible way we can come to church and hear the word of God with faith and sit out and do nothing and never praise and never worship and never run and never praise and never give God the glory. If we sit on the word of God, it means we're hearing it, but we're not hearing it and mixing it with faith. We're hearing it, but we're interpreting it by our intellect. Intellect can't save you. The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. So if you interpret it by your intellect, it's foolishness to you. But if you will say, God, I am hearing the word and I'm mixing it with faith because faith says you are God almighty and there is nothing too hard for you. I'm hearing it. I'm listening to it and I'm going to do something about it. It changes everything. The word must be mixed with faith. And I hate to break this news to you. When you're in the house of God, if you're doing nothing, you're not hearing the word by faith. You do nothing, you're hearing the word according to your flesh. You're hearing the word according to your intellect. But when we start responding to the word by faith, we got to do something. I don't know about you, but I remember I would sit in a chair when my pastor began to preach, and I don't know what happened. I just started swinging because I can't stay still now. Something is happening, and I start swinging. And that's why I don't think I ever sat in church a day in my life. I sat for a minute. I got to get back. Oh, yes, 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 because I'm hearing the word by faith. And when you are hearing the word by faith, something is moving you. Even if you're sitting down, you're doing like this. Even if you're sitting down, you're just rocking. Even if you're sitting down. You're shaking your head. And for some of us, we can't keep sitting. We get up. And before you know it, somebody's flipping their hands like this. Before you know it, somebody's stomping. Before you know it, somebody's crying and jumping. Because it's faith. It's their faith that they're responding to the word with faith. They're not just hearing it. It's not just an intellectual thing. It's not just a communication I'm giving. It's not a speech. This is not a speech. This is the power of God. The word of God. And if we mix it with faith, we can't sit still. Oh, God, help us here. Help us here, Lord God. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to move us. We need the power of your spirit to move us. We need the word mixed. With faith. It can't be any other way, church. You can't hear the word of God any other way anymore. It can't be an intellectual processing. It can't be an intellectual processing. It can't be like that makes sense or that don't make sense. It got to all be processed through faith. And as long as it's being processed through faith, you're moving. Something is going on. The flesh don't have no strength when faith is working. 
Um, I'm telling you, when the power of God moves, guess what? All flesh go into subjection of the power. This is why this man Simon, who was in the flesh, he was moving in the flesh. But when the power of God was unleashed, that bad boy said, oh, my God, something else is happening here. It's not regular stuff. I need to figure out what that is. As a matter of fact, he tried to give money to see if he could be the one to let that power move. And so flesh knows that devil knows when power starts moving, when the divine power of God starts moving, everybody know and God's people should know. And when the power of God is moving, you need to move. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. The word of God, every time we hear it, it's got to be mixed with faith. If it sounds impossible, it's only impossible if it's not mixed with faith. Because all things are possible with Christ. And so when you're hearing the word of God mixed with faith, there is nothing that is impossible. There is nothing that God can't do. When it's mixed with faith, you can stand on the promises. You can stand on the word of God because it's mixed with faith. I'm done. I'm done because God wants to help us. What God is trying to do, (laughs) hear me, church, hear me, church, hear me, church, hear me. The Holy Ghost is helping us tonight. When God moves us into that place, the people that are going to be coming into us, they're going to be dead as a doornail. The people that's coming to us, they're going to deep into their sin. The people that's coming to us, they're going to need help. And if we stay in our dead state, they're going to destroy you. You're going to end up leaving the church because you're going to say, yeah, they moved to that new building and they want the same no more. No, it's not because we want the same no more. It's because you didn't allow yourself to grow spiritually. It's because you didn't allow the power of God to move you. And you're going to get some devils to come into church. And if you ain't right, those devils going to run you out of your own church. They're going to run you out of your own church. And you're going to get mad at everybody. Like, yeah, they got, they got this building. They switch up. No, no, no. The devil is going to attack. The devil already started attacking. I've heard some of the stories. I know what I've experienced. But the devil is already attacking, trying to get you out of position. And he ain't through yet. When you get into that building, the devils are coming. They're going to try to get you up out of the church. And if you're not spiritual, if the power of God ain't working in your life, if you're not using the word of God and mix it with faith, then you're going to find yourself in a bad place. You're going to find yourself missing out on God. Hear that word. That's a word from God. That's a word from God. What God is ready to do, you and me have no clue. I'm the preacher and I still don't have a clue, but I know he can do exceeding. I know he can do abundant, above whatever we can ask or think. I know God is able to do just what he wants to do, just what he says he will do. I don't know what it's going to look like, church. I just know. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Get your heart right. Get your spirit right. Get your soul right. 
right. Get the word in you. Get the spirit of God to move in you. And let's move in faith because God is here and he's ready and he's going to use you. And if you don't allow yourself to be used, he's going to send somebody else. Let's worship him. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. I worship you, O great God. Lord, I pray that our faith fail us not. But Lord, every time we hear the word, oh God, we will allow faith, oh God, to be how we capture it, how we receive it, and cause us to respond to it. Lord, save us from ourselves, almighty God. Lord, I don't want any person, Lord, to miss out on your goodness, to miss out on your purpose, to miss out on your blessings that is ahead of them. Lord, keep us. Keep us, Lord God, that we will not fall away from the faith. Keep us, almighty God, that the devil will not wreck us because we're so weary and weak in our faith, almighty God. But I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you will gird us up, Lord God, that you will empower us and strengthen us. I pray, almighty God, that the word of God will establish us and it will be the authority that guides us and we will reverence you, Lord God, like never before. That worship and praise will consume us and flow from our loins, Almighty God, and the power of God will be unleashed in our house, in our church. Oh, yes, Lord. I believe in Jesus. I believe it, Lord. I believe it, Lord. I receive it, Lord. I receive it, Lord. Let your will be done. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, oh great God. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Let your will be done, Lord God. Let your will be done, Almighty God. Let your anointing flow in the life of your people, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah.